digital connection card, you can just go ahead and hit send, and that'll get where it needs to get to. And if you did the physical one, uh, we're going to pass a basket at the end of the service, and you'll be able to put the connection card as well as uh, if you have a a physical offering that you want to put into the basket, you can do that as well at the end of the service. So I have been looking forward to Easter Sunday for a while because, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if you've noticed, but the last two years have been kind of weird. And so I remember two years ago on Easter, I was, I was, uh, it was Easter Sunday, I was in here completely alone. Like there was not another soul there. Grimaldi was in the sound booth, I think Sue was here, and I was just talking to a red camera. And so, by the way, I want to say hello to the red camera people, those of you who are on uh, YouTube and Facebook Live worshiping with us this morning. We're so glad to have you, uh, have you with us this morning. Uh, and, you know, and then last year it was kind of like, can we kind of really encourage people to come and kind of, kind of were a little bit tentative in that. And, and so it was just great, like this, this this year being like, we're going to add a service and we're going to encourage people to invite friends. And because we've always seen through the years that our, our Easter services are a great time for us to connect with new people. That there's always a lot of people who were just kind of checking the church out or got invited to come and thought it's Easter, I'll check it out. So, so let me just take a moment and just let you know, those of you who are new, those of you who aren't really connected, let me tell you what we hope will happen in your life if you become connected with our church. Like if you get to a place where you say, I think I want to have this become more a part of my life. I think I want to come to church on a regular basis. We'll make it easy for you. We're starting next week with watching movies, all right? So God and film, we're starting that next week. And uh, you say, I, you know, I think I want, to, I, want to, I want to be a part. Here's the journey that we're hoping that you're going to go on. The first step of the journey is that you'll know God. Right? We believe that we can have a, have a life-giving relationship with the living God. That you could come to the place where you begin to understand, like, God isn't just a concept. God isn't just out there. God is real, and I'm beginning to experience and feel like I'm actually having a relationship with God. I'm not alone in this world. God is with me. God has my back. The second part of the journey, the second aspect, is that we think that you'll find freedom in your life. And you say, well, what do you mean find freedom? Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Jesus said that if the Son makes you free, then you're really free. And so the great way to think about the freedom that Jesus offers us is think about the part of your life that you know if this part of your life was different, your life would be way better. And we all have that in our life. We have, maybe there's, you know, there's an emotional reaction that you have on a regular basis. Like you had anger. And you just think, man, if I could just deal with my anger, I'm like upsetting, you know, I just, my life would be so much better. Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe there's a lack of motivation. Like you just can't get, you can't follow things through. Whatever it is, whatever it is that holds you back, I think that as we get to know the living God, you see, once, once we begin to have God in our life, those chains begin to fall off. And we discover that there's a power to live our life that we didn't have before. And the third part of the journey is that you can find your purpose. It's a kind of a big deal. We talk about this a lot. I, and I, I think, you know, I've been talking about this for a number of years, and I think I'm just going to talk about it more because I really think that in our culture right now, people really need to know that they are made on purpose for a purpose, that you're not an accident, that God loves you, God designed you in the womb. The Bible says that before you were born, God wrote a book about you. It says that all the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them came to be. And so we want you to discover that book and begin to discover your purpose. And then what happens, the fourth step, is that you begin to make a difference. Like that, that's in your heart. Like you want to make a difference in this world. You want to have an impact in this world. You know that you weren't put on this earth to just pay bills. 
right? You know that your life is more than just paying bills and breathing air, that you were made on purpose for a purpose. And as we discover that and as we walk it out, together we can make a difference. And so that's something that we as a church, it's really a big deal to us. We really lean into it. We feed through our community center, which is a ministry of our church. We feed like over a thousand families every single month. And we teach like ESL to immigrants and always looking for ways that we can help kids, we can help teens, we can make a difference in this world, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. You see, the the reality is, is if you start coming to this church, or coming to any life-giving church, it's not like we have a monopoly on it, but, but your life is going to change, not because we have it all figured out and our systems are great, but your life will change because the church is the body of Christ, and so you're going to be bumping into Jesus. Like, you're going to continually be bumping into Jesus, and Jesus is going to change your life. Romans 8.11, it says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. See, what this is saying is that because Jesus rose from the dead, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to bring life to the parts of your life that feel dead. And we all have parts of our life that feel dead. The resurrection power of Jesus is available for you. And I think that, you know what, we always need to hear this. But especially now we need to hear this. Because there's a lot of death that's going on in the world. Right? We're all horrified by what we see happening in the Ukraine. And we just, you know, we see, we haven't seen this kind of like modern warfare covered and just so many casualties and so many civilians. It's horrible, the amount of death. And, and then we've just, we've come out of COVID, you know, two, over, over two years of COVID. And because we're in North Jersey, I bet if I ask for a show of hands, say, how many of you actually lost someone to COVID? Someone in your life, someone you know, maybe even like a family member, lots of hands, probably every hand would go up. We've all been affected by it. But it hasn't just been physical deaths from COVID. There have been, you know, deaths to marriages. There's been deaths to sobriety. There's been deaths to hopes. There's been death to dreams. There's been, there's been a lot of death. I was reading this article uh, just this week, actually, which was talking about, like, this, this state that we're in now. Because I think everybody knows that, like, things in the world are weird. Right? I mean, do you get that? It's just kind of like, what's going on? Like, things feel weird. Things feel different. And so there was an article, and I think it was in The Atlantic, it was talking about this, and it was talking about the term languishing. That, that there's this, like, collective, like, languishing that's going on. And the author defined languishing as, uh, as an apathy, as a sense of restlessness or feeling unsettled or an overall lack of interest in life or the things that typically bring joy. How many of you would say, like, yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel. Like the stuff that I used to look forward to, I just, I don't really look forward to that anymore. You know, like Friday night comes around and I used to be like, oh, I'm going to go see my friends. I'm going to have a good time. Now it's like, I just want to stay in my pajamas and I just want to watch Netflix. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything. The, the things that used to get me excited don't get me excited. You're not the only one feeling this way. There's a thing going on. There's this languishing that's happening. But the good news, the good news that we're celebrating today is that Jesus rose from the dead. 
Jesus rose from the dead, and the power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you to speak to those parts of your life where you're languishing, where you feel empty, where you feel stuck, that God can come into your life and can make all the difference. So we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, but it's not just a holiday. It's not just an event in the past that we look to. It is a power to be experienced. The resurrection of Jesus is a power that you can experience in your life, but there's a catch. And so you might say, all right, there's always a catch. What's the catch? There's a catch. The catch is you need to believe. You need to believe all the things that I'm talking about, all the the, the life-giving things that Jesus offers us, you need to believe. And you might say, okay, well, that's, that's easy. I can, I can believe. Well, for, you know, if you're trying to live your life with faith, if you're trying to live your life with belief, you know it's not easy, right? You, we just sang a song where we were saying over and over again, I believe, I believe. Why do we sing a song like that? Because it's hard to believe, right? Because it's not easy for us to say we're going to build our life and we're going to build our foundation and we're going to every single day have the, the foundation of our life be something that we can't see, something that we can't touch, something that we have to access through faith. That's not, that's not easy to do. Jesus had this encounter in John chapter 11. He had these really good friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were these brother and sisters. And they were like really, really close to Jesus. And so Lazarus got sick. And so I'm sure Mary and Martha and Lazarus are like, oh, don't worry, Jesus is going to come because he's healing people all the time. But Jesus didn't show up. And then Lazarus died. And, uh, and so, you know, a couple days go by, Jesus still hasn't shown up. And then finally Jesus shows up and Mary is angry. Mary is angry and Mary is hurt. And he said this, he said this to her in John chapter 11, verse 25. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I just think that's interesting. And let me just, let me just ask you this morning. Like we're singing songs about Jesus rising from the dead and celebrating his resurrection. Do you believe this? Right? Do you believe this? Apparently, it's really, if we're going to experience the life and the power that God has for us, we, we need to believe this. John, when he wrote his gospel, the very last thing that he said in his gospel, he said, I wrote all these things so that you can come to believe in Jesus and that by believing in him, you can have life in his name. And so do you believe? See, the reality is, is, is there's a lot of doubt. Right? We live in a world and we live in a time where there's a lot of doubt. And so what I want to talk about today is I want to kind of name the doubt that we have and I want to talk about how we can overcome our doubt. And so I'm going to start with a story in Mark chapter 9, verses 17 to 24. And this, I, I don't need to set it up because it's kind of all right there in the story. It's all right there in the text. So starting at verse 17, it says, A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who was possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. 
everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I, I love that phrase. I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Now, a couple things we just need to be aware of from this story is, first of all, this father was desperate. I mean, think about, like, we read these stories and we don't really get into the human aspect of it, but imagine, we don't know how long his kid had been like this. We don't know if, like, maybe maybe he's a teenager, maybe he's in his 20s. We don't know. We just know it was from childhood. The kid couldn't talk. He was oppressed by these evil spirits, and then he would, like, become stiff as a board and, like, try to try to kill the kid, throw him into the fire. I mean, the father had to live with this. And so, it was, you know, he had, a, he had to carry this burden. He couldn't, couldn't communicate with his son because he was mute. And then probably there was economic difficulty because he couldn't leave the kid alone, right? If, if, if like, the kid's going to, like, be thrown into a fire, he had to go to work. So there was, like, he was really desperate. And so then he heard that Jesus, there's this healer and his disciples, and they're healing people. And so this desperate guy who dealt with this forever was like, all right, good, maybe there's hope. And so he goes, but then his disciples aren't, Jesus' disciples aren't able to heal the kid. And so then he comes to Jesus and he says, if you can help me. And I love Jesus' response because maybe even with a little bit of a twinkle in his eye, he's like, if, if, if I can help you. And he says, Every, anything is possible if you believe. And I, I just love the response of this father. He said, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. If we're going to access the good things that God has for us, the abundant life, the, 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 the power, we need to have our, our, our doubts overcome. I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Now listen, let me just say this. There's two types of doubters, right? There, there are people who really like this father. They want to believe, but they're struggling. And then there are people who don't want to believe. And there's like, maybe some of you are in that boat. Like somebody brought you, just like, I don't, Jesus, I don't care about Jesus. I don't believe in any of this stuff. I don't care about this. This is going to, I don't want to believe that Jesus rose from the dead because then I'd have to change my life and I don't want to change my life and I don't want to be accountable to anyone. I want to be captain of my own ship. That's how I want things to be. And let me just say, if that's where you're coming from, I'm really, I'm really glad you're here, but my message today isn't for you. I'm not here to try to convince you of something. Because listen, the reality is, until you want to believe, you're always going to find reasons not to believe. Like the Pharisees, right? They knew that Jesus rose from the dead. Like they knew he did. But they didn't want to believe it because it would have messed up their life. So they came up with a story to explain like what had happened. And so, so the reality is, is that like until you're ready to believe, like we can't really help you. But once you're ready to believe, once you come to the place where you're like, I think I need this. Like once you realize like just looking forward to the weekend isn't enough. Or once you realize that looking forward to the next sales thing, you know, the next like, you know, financial, you know, boom isn't enough. Or once you go through something, like life has a way of like when we think we're confident, competent, we can handle everything, then life happens, right? And you, you deal with an illness or you deal with a tragedy or you deal with something and you say, you know what? My crystals and my astrological charts aren't enough to get me through this. I think I need Jesus. Like, seriously, when you're in that place, like, like, we'll be here. The person who brought you to church, they'll still be here. And, you know, like what that old commercial says, we'll leave the light on for you. Like, we'll be here, and when you're ready, you can kind of come back. But I want to say to those of you who are like this father, that you believe, but you're struggling, you're struggling with doubt. How is it that we can, why, how do we overcome our doubts? 
And in order to do that, we need to recognize what it is that causes doubts in the first place. And I think we see three things, and I'll just go this, through this part pretty quick. Three things that we see in the story that kind of explain why it is we have doubts. The first is that we don't think uh, God does things right. right. One of the reasons we have doubts is because we think, well, God, if you were really loving and all-powerful, you wouldn't let me go through this. Right? If you really loved me and you cared about me, my son wouldn't have this condition for as long as he's had it. And maybe you've gone through things in your life and you think, man, you know, Pastor Phil or other people, they talk about how much God loves us and he's for us. But if he loved me, I wouldn't have, my life wouldn't be like this. And so I don't know if I can really believe in a loving God. That causes doubts. The second thing is, is we'd, uh, we tried to believe and it didn't work. Right? That's what happened with his father. Right? He went to the disciples, and they said, the disciples, they were, they were healing people up to that point. They were doing a good job. So the father went to the disciples, and it didn't work. And so now he comes to Jesus, and he's like, yeah, you know what? It didn't work, and, and if you can, you know, maybe you can do something. And so maybe you might say, that has something to do with my doubts. Like, I tried it. Like, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, but he still died. Or I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and the, the anxiety didn't lift, or the depression didn't lift. Or I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, but I'm still single. Or I went to the life group. I went to, the, I went to church. I did this. I did that. And the thing that I hoped would happen didn't happen. And so I tried it, but I don't think it really worked. And then the third thing is, is we've listened to the doubts of others. It's really interesting that Jesus, you know, he says before he gets into his interaction with his father, he says, oh, you unbelieving generation. I don't know if you guys have noticed but we live in the Western world. We are living in an increasing, unbelieving generation. Right? It is becoming increasingly hard to have faith. So many people like, will laugh at people who have faith. I was reading this article recently where someone was saying, not even someone who's like this like, super on-fire Christian, but saying just how if they believe in God, they kind of can't let their friends know about that because their friends will make fun of them because it's like believing in God is so passe. Right? I mean, this is, the, this is the culture, this is the generation we live in, that there, there are doubts of others all around us, and they have an impact on us, and it's hard. You know, I don't know if you, if you remember back in the 60s or you heard about it, there was this, this race to the moon between the, between the Soviet Union and the United States, right? There was this, like, space race. And so the Soviet Union, an atheistic state, they sent up a mission, they sent up some cosmonauts, and their reason for sending up the cosmonauts was to see if, God, if they could see God. Because they're basically saying, all right, well, God is supposed to be up in the heavens, so we're going to go up into the heavens, and, and let's see if we can see God or not. And so the cosmonauts go up there, and one guy, he gets tethered to the, to the spaceship, and then he goes and he floats out in space, and he, de- and he declares... Let me see if I, can, if I can remember if any Russian people are here. I don't want to mess up the Russian language. He declares, Bogan yet, which means no God. And so then the next day in the Soviet Union newspapers, you have that all over. Bogan yet, no God. Like we're out here in the heavens and Bogan yet, we don't see God. Now, I don't know if that cosmonaut realizes if he had untethered himself from that spaceship, he would have seen God that very day. 
right? I mean, he would have he seen God. He would have known. But listen, this is the reality. I, I, I know that another message. I, I teach a course in the summer about, about apologetics, reasons for our faith. I won't, I won't get into all that today. But I'll tell you one thing, though. With all this doubt that's around us, the church of Jesus Christ, we need to rise up and live in the love and power of the resurrected Jesus, right? Now more than ever, we need to live in the love and power of the resurrected Jesus. And, and so how do we overcome our doubts? And how do we get belief? How do we have our faith strengthened? So I want to end this with a, with a resurrection story. And that it's about someone who doubt is so connected to, doubt is actually part of his name. Right, you know, doubting Thomas. I mean, that's kind of a bummer. Like, like, doubt, like, if you don't, like, if you don't, if you don't believe something, you're like, oh, you're a doubting Thomas. It's like, imagine having your name connected to this like negative thing for two thousand years. You know, like Mean Mary, or you know, like, who would want that? But, um, but the thing about Thomas is that he didn't remain doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas was something. He became believing Thomas because Thomas overcame his unbelief. And he actually went, and we know this, you know, sometimes like what the disciples did is a little bit of legend and we're not sure, but we know that Thomas went to India. And Thomas went to India and preached the gospel like effectively. And like there are people today in India, there's whole communities that are Christian and they trace all the way back to Thomas. And Thomas, when he was, he was captured by this other tribe, a group of people who, who didn't like what he was doing, and he refused to recount his faith and they killed him for it. So, so his belief became so strong that he was willing to die for his faith. And you can go now to India and you can see his tomb. You can see where he was buried. And so he, he didn't remain doubting Thomas. He became believing Thomas. And the way that it worked after Jesus rose from the dead is there was a 40-day period where Jesus would just show up. It wasn't like scheduled. It wasn't like the disciples were like, oh, okay, we've got a 10 o'clock with Jesus tomorrow morning. He's going to show up. He would just appear. So you had like two disciples. They're walking on this road. All of a sudden, this, uh, this third person joins them, and it's Jesus, but they don't know it. And all of a sudden, they realize, wow, it's Jesus. Or this other time, the disciples are out fishing, and Jesus, and all of a sudden, they look, and there he is cooking them breakfast over a fire. Like that's how it was over the 40 days. He would just show up. So one time when he showed up, a lot of the disciples were there, but Thomas wasn't there. And so, so they told Thomas, they said, we saw the Lord, but Thomas didn't believe it. It's, he said this, John chapter 20, verse 24. It says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the, the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to them, Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. My side. Stop doubting and believe. So here's the first thing. Three things quick I want you to realize, and we'll be done. Number one, if you have doubts, I want to tell you, Jesus will continually search for you. Jesus will continually search for you. Your doubts will not keep Jesus away. Like he can't stop, won't stop. He's going to keep coming. He says that he, he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. And he knocks and he'll continue to knock and he won't stop knocking. Your doubts won't keep him away. Even though Thomas was behind a locked door. Now, I don't know if, you know, Thomas was the one who locked the door or whatever, but Thomas is behind a locked door, and then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. 
How many of you have a testimony where you would say, I tried to lock the door, but Jesus found me anyway? I, I mean, that's my story. I could tell you, listen, I was years ago, I was driving down the West Side Highway, and when I, you know, I was doing everything I could to lock the door and run away from Jesus, and all of a sudden, Jesus showed up in my car, and here I am today, because even though I was trying to run from him, he wouldn't let me run. So I just want to tell you, you know what, He's, your doubts aren't going to keep him away. But what I love about Jesus, he didn't show up there and be like, Thomas, come on, man. What's up with all these doubts? Like I told you I was going to rise. I told you. you should. No, he, he said peace. He said, Thomas, listen, I understand your doubts. I understand. I have compassion for doubt. Remember on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says, I, I understand that it's hard. But what he offered Thomas, and I think if we even did like testimony time of people who had Jesus break through the locked doors and we were trying to run away from him, what he offers us, what he gives us is peace. Because what he says to Thomas is peace. And it says this in Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, I believe that Satan is a counterfeiter. And I think that Satan loves to try to take the things that God does and come up with some other version of it. Kind of like you remember when, when Moses was going to Pharaoh with, with the, uh, the ten signs from God and, and he'd do it, you know, the frogs or whatever, and then Pharaoh's magicians would duplicate it. But then he got to a, got to a couple that the magicians could duplicate. So I think there's a lot of stuff that Satan duplicates, like purpose and, and, you know, joy and fellowship and community and love. There's a lot of counterfeit that's out there. But I don't think that Satan can counterfeit peace. I don't think he can do it. And I think, you know, I've heard from so many people who said that, you know what, the one, the one, the thing that I got from Jesus that I couldn't get anywhere else is peace. And there's so much anxiety right now. There's so much stress. And I think even some of you, like you're, you came in here, if you're honest, like you're just weighed down with worry. You're weighed down with anxiety. And I've been praying, and others have been praying, that you would hear Jesus say to you right now, peace. Because once you come to believe, once you really come to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he rose from the dead, see, then what that means is that you know that he has promised to never leave you, to never forsake you. Like he's going to have your back forever and ever and ever. You will never be alone. He promises that no matter what happens in your life, whatever, whatever happens with Russia, whatever happens with the economy, whatever happens in your family, that he will take all of it and he will somehow put it in a stew and mix it all up and bring good out of it. He's committed to that. You know that he says, even Jesus said, if the winds and the waves come like, like, a, like a, a, a category five hurricane, that your house is going to stand because it's built on the rock of Jesus Christ. And if you know that, then you will have your heart and your mind will be guarded by the peace of Jesus. See, God will guard your heart and mind. It's something that only God can do. And so many times I've just, I've heard, I've heard a story and account after account. I even remember in my own testimony, I remember, it's funny, I wasn't planning I'm talking about this, but I just remembered when I was preaching at the, at the 8.30 service, like I just remember peace. I was so stressed out about stuff. Peace came flooding into my car. Peace came flooding into my heart. And, you know, even C.S. Lewis, who, who was probably the greatest, you know, Christian thinker of the 20th century, when he wrote his autobiography, he didn't say surprised by rational arguments. He didn't say surprised by strong apologetics. He said surprised by joy. 
Because what got his attention when he was an atheist and when he became a Christian, what grabbed him was the peace and joy that he found in Jesus that he couldn't find anywhere else. So Jesus can't stop, won't stop. He's coming for you. The second thing is this. Take a step to discover who Jesus is. And so you see that Thomas, you know, Jesus, he says to him, he says, go ahead, Thomas, take a step towards me. Reach out your hand. Put your finger here. Do whatever you need to do that you can understand. Don't, don't doubt anymore. Believe. And so take a step towards Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, like especially to those of you who are saying, like the Father, I want to believe, but I have these doubts. I want to encourage you. Like this is something that could change your life. Take a step towards Jesus. Like it's not going to happen by osmosis. It's not going to happen like while you watch Netflix. You need to take a step. And so listen, I think that's something that the church got wrong for so many years is that we said to people, if you're going to come and you're going to hang out, be a part of what we're doing, you need to believe first. You need to believe first and your life needs to be together and then you can come. That's not how Jesus did it. And that's not how we do it. We say, listen, wherever you're coming from, like whatever you believe, wherever you are, you are welcome. Like everybody's welcome. You can come as you are. And if you're in that place of trying to figure out what you believe and where Jesus fits in everything, you can sit in the last row. You can observe what's going on. You can help us, you know, feed people. You can get involved. We love to have you be a part that you can belong to the community even before you believe. For a lot of people, that's kind of the process. They belong first before they believe. I want to invite you to do that. And if you're really serious, like if you're here and you're saying, like, I really want my life to change. I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to give us a year. Give us a year. Meaning that you just say, okay, you know what? I'm going to go all in. I'm not just going to kind of show up at, you know, Easter and Christmas and from time to time. I'm going to go all in. That you say, okay, for a year, I'm going to come to church every single Sunday. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be there. Maybe you're going to sit in the front row. There's always seats available in the front row. I'm going to sit in the front row. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to pay attention. And I'm going to go up for prayer. And I'm going to worship. I'm going to do the growth track. I'm going, to, I'm going to join a life group. I'm starting a life group in a couple of weeks called Alpha. It's going to be on Thursday nights, 7 p.m. in the Team Vineyard Room. I'll be leading it. And uh, that's especially designed for you. And say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to join Alpha. That you just say, I'm going, to, I'm going to be a part. 21 days of prayer, whatever it is. And here's the thing. I really do believe that if you do that, your life will change. That, that your life is going to change. And my guarantee to you is that if you really do that for a year and you get to the end of the year and your life hasn't changed, not only will I help you find another church to go to, I'll probably start going to that other, ch- to that other church with you, okay? Because, because Jesus is here. Jesus is present. You'll bump, up, you'll bump up against him over and over again and your life will change. Let me just say this to some people, maybe, you know, who are joining us in the live stream. Maybe you feel like you do believe but you feel like that languishing that's going on. You feel kind of disconnected. You don't feel that joy. Maybe what you need to do is give us a year. Maybe, you need, maybe there are things that you've done. Maybe in the past you were part of community, you were part of life group, you were part of church, you were serving. But with this pandemic, you've just pulled back from all of that. And maybe for some of you, like in order to find the, find the life again, like it's not about believing, it's about engaging. And so I just want to say, just want to encourage you that maybe it's time. We appreciate the live streams. We appreciate the screens. We appreciate it. But we are a gathered people. And we need to worship God together, that God inhabits the praises of his people. And so maybe it's time for some of you to come back and say, I'm going to re-engage. 
And so here's the third point, the last point, is that you give your life to the one who gave his life to you. Because what Thomas does when this is all over is he said, my Lord and my God. He doesn't say a Lord and a God. He says, my Lord, my God. See, the kind of faith, the kind of belief we're talking about here, the kind of belief that can change your life, it's not belief in something. It's belief on someone. And so you need to understand that Jesus, he knows you. Like he loves you. He says, you know, the Bible says that, that, that he designed you in your mother's womb. Right? That, that there are good deeds that he's prepared in advance for you to do. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And all throughout your life, he's been knocking on the door of your heart. And I bet you've heard the knocking. I bet you know, like I bet some of you, like you know, like God has been orchestrating, God has been doing things in your life because he's saying, I love you and I'm for you and I want you to experience my life. Some of you know that there's no way that you should have survived that car accident. Like you know that you shouldn't have walked away from that car accident. You know that you shouldn't have survived that situation. Maybe you've wondered, why is God keeping me around? I want to tell you, God is keeping you around because he loves you. And he has a plan and he has a purpose for you. And you can begin the process of coming into a greater understanding of who God is and what it means to have his life and his power flowing through your life. That can start today. Because Jesus said this, one of my favorite passages in scripture, Matthew 23, verse 37. It says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chick under her wings, but you weren't willing. And I wonder if maybe some of you, you say, yeah, you know what, I'm, I've, I've been like that. That God has been trying to get my attention. God has been, you know, through all sorts of circumstances and messages, and I've pushed him away. But now is the time for you to say, I'm not going to do that anymore. Lord, I need your life. I want to know you, God. I want to find the freedom that's available for me. I need that freedom. I want to know I'm tired of of not having a purpose. I'm tired of of just kind of drifting through life. I want to find my purpose. And then I I want my life to make a difference. I'm ready for that. And I want to give you an opportunity. If you're ready to have your life changed by inviting Jesus in, it's a little, you know, it's a little prayer that we pray. But, but there's so much more that's going on. See, Jesus really does, when we pray that prayer, he really does come and he lives inside of our hearts. And you begin to experience the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The peace of God that passes all understanding is available for you. So I'm going to give you in a moment an opportunity. But before we do that, a little house cleaning here. Let's pass. We've got baskets that are on the, on the aisles. This, this row right here, uh, the far one, my right, uh, against the wall. If we could just start passing those baskets down. Uh, and then you can put your connection card. You can put an offering envelope in there as well. And the other thing we're going to do is we're going to have people from the prayer ministry team be available to pray for you. And, and, uh, and so those folks from the prayer ministry team can kind of come up. All right, so yeah, all the, every, every row there has. So we can just kind of help. We can kind of work here together. That would be awesome. Um, but, uh, but there were some, some specific words, specific things that the prayer team thought God wanted to do today. And it has to do with healing. Uh, that's they had a sense that maybe there's somebody who are, you have pressure in the right eye. Uh, there's, there's a lot of pressure that God wants to heal you today. 
um, that a sense someone who has pain in their right foot that's kind of shooting to the rest of their rest of their leg that God wants to heal. And I think there's just also like what I've, I've been talking about this this lack of peace that maybe in a lot of ways there's there's a burden that you've been carrying and God wants to give you peace this morning. So let's all stand and let's close our eyes. And so, Lord God, we just say, God, this morning that we love you. And, Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you have risen from the dead. We thank you that you're alive. And so, God, I pray in Jesus' name that your peace that passes all understanding would just flow through this room right now in Jesus' name. Lord, let your peace come. And God, I pray for anyone who is burdened down with anxiety, with fear. And I just, you know what, I just get the sense that there's like so many, maybe more than a few, there's just so much pressure on you right now. Like that's just how you feel. There's a lot of pressure on you. And Jesus is here and he wants to alleviate the pressure. So come, Holy Spirit. Come right now and just enter, Lord, step into this room. And say, peace. Lord, give us your peace right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We bless your presence, God. I just sense his presence. It just feels like Jesus is just here and he's just doing his thing. Let his peace guard your heart and mind. Give him your anxieties. Give him what you're carrying. Giving, give him that which is kind of blocking the flow of his life. His resurrection power. Just give it to him. And if you're here this morning and you have not yet opened up the door of your heart to let Jesus in, I want to give you a chance to do that. If you say, I want to know God, I want to find the freedom, I want all the things we've been taught, I need that in my life. I want to give you an opportunity. And you can pray this prayer. You don't even have to say it out loud. You can just say it in your heart. And when you pray this prayer, something happens. Something happens. Right? God comes and God draws near and, and things can change. And so, so just pray this prayer. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord, I need you. I want you to be my God and my Lord. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I ask you to forgive all of my sins. I accept your free gift of salvation. And from here on out, I want to live my life connected to you. That your love and your power would flow through me. Show me my purpose, God. Show me what you have for me. Because you are my Lord. And my God, from here on out. Just keep your eyes closed. But if you pray that prayer, just raise your hand. If you pray that prayer. Okay, awesome. Awesome. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. That you can text follow to 201-584-7188. All right, if you text follow to 201-584-7188. We're going to send you some things in the mail today that I, or this week that I think can really help you as you're, as you're walking with Jesus, as you're, as you're just looking to see his life and his power 
uh, come into your life and make some really significant changes in a way that I'm telling you, it's going to make all the difference. All right, we got some people up here. They would love to pray for you. Whatever you need, healing prayer, right? Uh, uh, Freedom from anxiety, whatever's going on in your life, somebody from the prayer ministry team would love to pray for you this morning. We got another service that's starting in 20 minutes, so we got time for some prayers. God bless you guys. Thank you for worshiping with us. Happy Easter, and I'll see you soon.